0: AEW Full Gear 2023 is in the books and it may have been one of the company's most interesting shows of all time. I'm going to tell you exactly why that was from Texas death matches that will live down in wrestling history to an against all odds performance that we have not seen in a very long time by MJF. To Will Ospreay. Finally, finally, by God, finally ending the hullabaloo around his free agency. He is all elite. That is confirmed. There's so much to talk about coming out of full gear. I'm Omri Q for Real Take Wrestling. I'm going to review it all. Welcome to the review show. We're keeping it real goes right. Be sure to hit that like button for all the live homies. Subscribe and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. If you want to guarantee your question or statement is read out and answered on the air, be sure to leave a super chat. Without burying the lead, of course, we're going to talk about MJF. We're going to talk about Jay White and this world title picture. Okay, so... Beginning of the night, we saw at the zero hour, MJF and Samoa Joe versus the guns for the ROH World Tag Team Championships. MJF recruited Samoa Joe because basically his best friend, Adam Cole, told him to. And if there's one thing that MJF loves, it is his best friend, Adam Cole, baby. So Adam Cole tells MJF, hey look, you're in a bind, I'm injured, you want to still defend these belts, that's fine, but if you're going to do it, I want to make sure that you are as healthy as you possibly can be for your match later on tonight. So, of course, Samoa Joe enters the picture, and the deal with Samoa Joe is that Max can only have him as a tag team partner if, and only if, they have... Samoa Joe sorry if and only if Maxwell Jacob Friedman gives Samoa Joe a world title match down the line so much to talk about there as oh, MJF is in a bit of trouble with that one but um end of the end of that match saw Samoa Joe helping MJF pick up the victory and after that the guns beat the ever-living crap out of MJF, injured him. This was an assault that led MJF to be escorted out through a hospital, sorry, in an ambulance. He was taken out, and as he's leaving, Adam Cole, of course, was there, actually, and as he's getting put in this ambulance. MJF, with desperation in his voice, yells, Adam, don't let him take my championship, because... The one thing that MJF loves more than anything in this world, even more than I believe his best friend, Adam Cole, baby, is that triple B. It validates every single thing MJF has been through in his entire career. It validates all those nights that MJF spent training, all those days that MJF spent on the road, all those moments that he spent doubting himself. That triple B represents What MJF has become, and he has become not just the world champion, not just arguably the best wrestler in the world today, but he has also become our scumbag. And later on, they have a segment where Jay White comes out. Tony Schiavone's like, well, look, now that MJF can't perform, unfortunately, because of the way the contract works, the title is going to be awarded to Switchblade, Jay White. And then we hear, you know, it's all about the boom, boom, boom. Adam Cole, baby, his music hits. Cole rushes down as much as he can, obviously, in the boot. And he basically says, no, 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 it's not going like that. We're going to do this no matter what. So he says, if Max isn't healthy enough, me, Adam Cole, the guy who... (laughs) has like Serge who had surgery just a few weeks ago on this leg is going to wrestle Jay white in place of MJF. And I am going to defend the honor and the title of my best friend. Ridiculous. And it was also a dead giveaway that MJF was definitely going to return because there's no way in hell they were going to have Adam Cole baby actually wrestle a match just a few weeks after surgery. There's no way that was going to happen. But play, they played it up. And I think it worked out. Because the one thing that I think a lot of people criticized this feud for was that we already knew. It was a foregone conclusion that MJF was going to win the world title and retain his belt. And while that is true, and while I'm not one for being like... like cause By that logic, every Roman Reigns match is a foregone conclusion because we all know that he's going to retain his belt. Lol. by that logic, there's no point in having MJF have a rival or have him defend the belt because no matter what, most people you put up against him are going to lose. And that's not what this is about. This is about putting on entertaining matches, this is about telling compelling stories which I think AEW did very well because what they were missing in the what they were missing in the predictability of the outcome they made up for in storytelling because they ran an arc and this is something that AEW has done in the past that I really love they ran an arc through the entire night from the beginning to an end of what is going to happen in this world title match. Because by the end of it, everything was so up, up in the air. You were like, you didn't know what, what was up and what was down. You were just captivated by what was going on, right? And then they get to the main event. Adam Cole, baby, is in the ring. He comes out, does his thing. And he's not even wearing wrestling stuff because he wasn't there to wrestle. He was not prepared to wrestle. So Adam Cole, defending the honor and the world title of his best friend, goes out there and is ready to get absolutely brutalized by the switchblade Jay White until we hear the ambulance that MJF left in pull back into the arena. They go backstage. It's MJF driving the ambulance, injured knee and everything making his way down to the ring to a raucous hero's welcome in Los Angeles at the Kia Forum. And he got the a massive pop, the second biggest pop of the night, from what I could tell. And he gets in there, and this is, it is insane to think about where MJF was a year ago and where he is today. We never. I, 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 I never thought that MJF would get to the point where he is arguably the best babyface in professional wrestling today. I never thought that this would be a possibility. Now, at least not this time soon. Because the way MJF was going, he was going to be the best heel of all time. And now, he's cementing And all the time, world title reign. Having some of the best matches, telling amazing stories, and doing it in such a multifaceted way. Think about it like this. There was one point just not too long ago. MJF had a running storyline with Adam Cole, Roderick Strong, uh, Samoa Joe, Jay White, and Kenny Omega. Five people. Five people. At once, he was feuding with. And all of them had their own little twists and turns. He's still feuding with Wardlow. Like, I never thought we would be at the point with MJF, at least not this soon, that this dude was out here just being as over as he is, as beloved as he is. And I got to say... It's it's a pretty good catchphrase. He's not a scumbag. He is, in fact, our scumbag. So MJF comes down. Story of the match is the injured right knee or leg, I should say, or left, yeah, injured left leg of MJF. It's wrapped up. Jay White immediately goes after it. The gun club, of course, are at ringside. They go after it. They get kicked out after some shenanigans where they were caught trying to drive a steel chair into the injured leg of MJF. Bryce Remsberg promptly kicks them out. They're sent to the back. Adam Cole is still there in MJF's corner the entire time. And while he's doing that, he's holding a yellow towel, calling back to the original full gear back in 2019 when MJF was the one who threw in the towel for Cody Rhodes and ended up costing Cody Rhodes any chance in the future at a world championship match in AEW. So, all that being said, of course, Jay White begins to brutalize MJF and focus in on that injured leg. But MJF is a wily, absolutely adrenaline-filled babyface who fights back, fights back hard. He's not only... Able to uh, wrestle with an injured left knee. But he's able to do his kangaroo kick. He's able to do a tope on the outside. He's able to do uh, a kip up. He is doing everything. And he's making it look like he is in absolutely immense pain. And still, it's just not enough. MJF tries and tries and tries and nothing will put away Jay White because at the end of the day, Jay White is coming in as the fresh man. MJF not only has been wrestling at least once a week the past couple of weeks, but remember, in, a, in addition of this injury he has, he wrestled a match. He wrestled a match with... Samoa Joe and the Gun Club earlier tonight in the first match of the night. So, we're sitting here watching this dude destroy himself and still, still, still find a way to fight back and win this match. It is absolutely insane. Spoiler alert, he did win. It's in the title. Y'all know it. But, so the finishing sequence of the match saw Jay White lock in a figure four leg Lock on MJF for what seemed to be at least five minutes. It was a very long time. The camera is panning to Adam Cole, who has that towel in his hand, and he's getting ready to throw it. Again, calling back to full gear 2019. And MJF is looking over to Adam Cole. Not only is this man getting his injured leg like wrenched into this this insane uh, hold, but on top of that, He's looking over at Adam like, don't do it. Don't cost me my world title. Because again, again, this was the one thing that MJF loved more than anything else. Because it validates everything he has done in his entire life. So, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, the AEW world champion, fights back, turns it around, reverses the figure four leg lock. And then, this is when things kind of switch up. Referee gets knocked down. Adam Cole is looking to hit Jay White with the title belt. And, well, Jay White ends up taking it, hitting MJF. Not able to capitalize. And that's when Adam Cole pulls out the dynamite diamond ring, puts it there for MJF to take, but MJF is not able to get it. In fact, it is the switchblade Jay White who gets it. Jay White takes the dynamite diamond ring but he's not able to capitalize on it. Of course not. Takes a low blow. MJF takes the ring. Bam, shot to Colton Gunn, who comes in to interfere while the ref's down. Bam, shot to Austin Gunn, who comes in to interfere while the ref's down. And bam, shot to the switchblade, Jay White. One, two, three. An awesome main event. An even better performance by both men and arguably the best AEW title reign of all time. My God. And yes, in fact, he has done it. MJF has been world champion. He's not only the longest reigning AEW world champion of all time, he is. He has been AEW champion, I should say, for 365 days. From one full gear to the next, it's been all him. And that is absolutely awesome. You know what else is awesome? All of you fine people in the chat. I see Jermaine is back in the chat saying, hey, Real Take. uh, Been a minute. Seen your channel grow. Very proud of you. Thank you so much, my good brother. Very proud of you, too. Very happy that you're joining us today. Chase says, they hyped us too much in the zero-hour pre-show final angle. That's the point. That's the point of wrestling. They're trying to sell a pay-per-view. Graphics are Not. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Guys, if you agree with them, be sure to smash that like button it really helps the channel because once you do that it helps us with the algorithm and helps more people see the awesome content that um, I'm putting out here on the channel be sure to hit that like button subscribe and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released I put out a video earlier talking about uh, AEW's latest signing again spoiler on that one it was in fact Ospreay, Ospreay, Will Ospreay signing a deal with AEW. I'll talk about that in a little bit, but my God, before we do that, we need to talk more about this damn world, sorry, this damn pay-per-view, because I'm just, I struggled for a bit, because like this was... Was this as good a pay-per-view as All In? I'm not sure if I'm prepared to say that. Was this as good a pay-per-view as All Out? I'm not sure if I'm prepared to say that. Was this as good a pay-per-view as Russell Dream? I'm not sure if I'm prepared to say that. One thing I'm damn sure prepared to say is that this was an amazing pay-per-view. Like from top to bottom. This was awesome. Was there a booking decision or two that I didn't like? Absolutely. And we'll talk about that because we've got plenty of matches to run through. Let's start with the first one, though. Sting, Darby Allin, Adam Copeland with Ric Flair in their corner, boo, uh, defeating the patriarchy, the team of Christian Cage, Luchasaurus, and Nick Wayne via pinfall in what is going to be Sting's final match in California. Um, yeah, this was, this was a, look, this was one of those six-man tag team matches that you're accustomed to getting at a pay-per-view, but a great opener for this pay-per-view. It set the tone. It got over Sting massively, which was the entire, uh, that was the entire point of this match. It was to get over Sting. Now, did Christian Cage look like an absolute... You know, you know what? During this match, of course, that's the whole point. And I like it. I like the way they did it because they're really building up to that Adam Copeland versus Christian Cage moment where Adam says, I told you so. That's what I think this is always going to build up to because Adam Copeland said it when Christian is at his weakest, when the title is gone and when Nick Wayne and Luchasaurus have learned everything they possibly can. They will turn their backs on the patriarch Christian Cage. But it was really nice to see Sting pick up the victory here. He did a top, he did a dive. Sting needs to stop doing this. Man, 65 years old. He's looking, he's sitting over there with Ric Flair, was like, yeah, oh, brother, I can still go. And like Sting is like, no, I can actually still go. Here's what still going at 65 looks like. And he's just he's blowing it out of the water. He did like a dive off the apron down to the bottom and and he's just so good. Sting is so good, man. Like it's crazy. I'm glad that he's getting this final run. Big, uh, crowd here tonight too. We'll, we'll talk about that in just a second, but just awesome. Awesome. After the match, after the match ended Darby got on the mic and said, Hey, this is Sting's effing last match in California. Let's give it up to him. And they left Sting in the ring by himself did Adam Copeland and Darby Allen to revel and enjoy this this moment, which is great because this is someone who deserves it. This is someone who has put their entire, basically, most of their life towards professional wrestling. Like, like I, I we I've said it before, I will say it again. Sting is no spring chicken. This man was born in nineteen sixty or nineteen fifty nine. He is 64 years old, turned 65 in March by the time revolution, you would think, rolls around. Like, this dude is out here, like, just putting, uh, putting other 65-year-olds to shame, to say the least. I definitely putting Ric Flair to shame. But big shout-out to Sting. Glad he got this victory. I hope to see more of that in the future. By the way, we got a final count here from WrestleTix as far as the attendance for this show. Of course, one of the big things that people have been criticizing AEW for, myself included, has been the fact that they're not selling as many tickets as they used to in arenas they've already ran. But it seems like the final number here, according to WrestleTix, which, by the way, guys, go over to follow them on Twitter, at WrestleTix, and also subscribe to their Patreon. Great work from Russell Ticks over there. The final distributed ticket amount is 12,754. Packed house in the fabulous Kia Forum. Nearly 13,000 in attendance there. That is an insane crowd. One of the biggest crowds that they have drawn, they being AEW, have drawn in months, really. I think maybe even since yeah since Wembley, I think this is their biggest crowd since Wembley, because I was there in Chicago at all out, and they had like just over 10,000. Wrestle Dream had about like six, seven thousand. Yeah, this is their biggest crowd since uh Wembley, which is crazy. Big shout out to them though. Oh sorry, I forgot uh, Arthur Ashe. It, it, Arthur Ashe, I think, uh, had more, but still, an um, insane crowd. Yeah, Michael Pulziver in the chat tonight. Welcome. Says, have they announced the location for Revolution yet? I don't believe they have. Um, I think uh, I was uh, watching one of Sean Ross's streams, and he said, or he said that like that had not been finalized as of I believe a few days ago or sometime last week. So, um, short answer: no. My guess is that that's like they're gonna do like a like like an East Coast loop at the beginning or, like, around that time, I think. So my guess would be they might do, like, North Carolina. Charlotte, look, ending ending his career in Charlotte would be something crazy. But they also could say, like, hey, Atlanta. I think Atlanta would be a great place to have a pay-per-view. So we'll see. Keep the questions coming, guys. If you haven't already done so, be sure to hit that like button. Please, please, please hit that like button. Let's try to get to 10 likes by the time I'm done talking about this next match. It really helps out the algorithm, helps the channel grow. So please do that. Speaking of our next match, let's talk Orange Cassidy versus John Moxley. AEW International Championship being defended by the latter, John Moxley putting his title on the line in a rematch from the main event of All Out this past uh, September. 12 minutes of action-packed tomfoolery. John Moxley was bleeding like two minutes into this match, and he was wearing a crimson mask, as JR would like to say. I mean, look, Hook and, and Wheeler Yuta being in the corners, I don't think I really needed. I, 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 was, on, um, I was on a stream with uh, Kenny Baum from Bomb. Big shout-out to him for having me on. Appreciate that, watching this match. And I was just like, I don't know how I feel about Hook and Wheeler. You know, Why aren't these two in a match? Anyway, that's not the focus. The focus is, of course, John Moxley and Orange Cassidy, who had a kick-ass rematch here. Finishing sequence of the match is really what we want to talk about, right? Orange Cassidy must have hit John Moxley with like seven back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back orange punches. And, and, and finished him off there. That was an insane, 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 um, sequence. Like anyone who says that Orange Cassidy just like, like, isn't a wrestler, doesn't have the, the fire behind. It's just at that point, like you're just spreading misinformation <laughs> at this point you're because you, you just obviously do not watch the product. I mean, Orange Cassidy tonight, just again again once again proved that he is exactly what everyone who praises him says he is great job by him impeccable impeccable performance by orange cassidy great job by john moxley look they're one they're one for one moxley's 1-1 orange cassidy's 1-1 at a certain point we will see a rematch and, and, and the rubber match in this feud, I, I just don't know where we're going to be at that point. I would I would hold off. This is one, you had Orange Cassidy win here, I would hold off on having the rubber match. Uh, don't have it at the the next pay-per-view. Have it like a year or two down the road. Got Jermaine saying, Do you think Okada will uh, have the same? Well, of course, you bring up Okada because I mentioned earlier, Will Ospreay has signed with all elite wrestling, yes, 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 that is not a prediction. That is no longer a spoiler. It's literally what happened. Will Ospreay signed, sealed, delivered his AEW contract in the middle of the ring in a segment with Tony Schiavone. Andrew Zarian of the Matt Pro Wrestling Podcast had said that this was going to be the news that Tony Khan was... was Spectre, or as Tony Khan was building up, this is the blockbuster announcement that AEW has been talking about. And, of course, originally people, have, people like myself had said, well, oh, it's probably going to be mercedes Monet. It would make a lot of sense. Not Mercedes just yet, but it was Will Ospreay saying that in March, when he is done with New Japan Pro Wrestling, he's going to he's be on AEW TV every week. That is an insane thing to think about. We all knew that this was the most likely scenario, right? The fact that it's actually happening. The fact that, that Tony Khan has been able to do this and, and, and get this guy is crazy. And it's a few months down the line. He said the road to revolution. That's what he said. The road to revolution. So he's obviously going to be in New Japan for Wrestle Kingdom. He may, look, I know people are going to be like, oh man, I wish that they just kept it secret or whatever. And like, he could have had his Wrestle Kingdom match lost and it would have been more of a surprise. I'm not entirely convinced that Will Ospreay will lose at Wrestle Kingdom. I'm like, he could lose at any show that New Japan runs after Wrestle Kingdom. Like, like that's the beautiful part about this because he's given himself to a revolution, which is in March. Wrestle Kingdom, obviously, is split up in the beginning and end of January. There's plenty of time to get another match in. Plenty of time to get another match in for Will Ospreay. So, again, I would not put it past them to have Will win at the pay-per-view and then just, like, come back and be like, ah, okay, now I'm done. And now I'm going to AEW and I'm going to make millions of dollars and be one of the best wrestlers of all time. Which, again, hard-pressed to find many wrestlers this year, better than will osprey mjf is in the conversation in my opinion i would not have a problem if someone said mjf you talk about matches though and like just having banger after banger after banger after banger after banger weekend week out it's will osprey it's will osprey speaking of banger well what's something that i thought was going to be a banger which was still a good really good match but the i did not agree with the booking here AEW women's world title on the line. Hikaru Shida defending against timeless Tony Storm. I want to preface everything that I'm saying by letting y'all know that I love Tony Storm. I love this gimmick. I think that the fact that her and Roderick Strong had to leave WWE to get over these bigger-than-life characters is insane to me because WWE isn't really known as the company where you have these larger-than-life characters, and they're being over-the-top as hell and over as hell in AEW doing it, which is crazy. But I digress. Tony Storm is, is doing great, and I love that. However, my issue is what is the point of putting the belt on Hikaru Shida time and time again if you're just going to have her lose after a few weeks. What's the point? I understand that you trust her. I understand that she is definitely one of the best wrestlers in the world, period. But what the hell are we doing putting the belt on her only to have her lose... A few weeks later, because this is not the first time this year they've done it. They did it after she won the belt. And, and she won it from Tony. She won it from Tony. She won the belt, lost it at Wembley, ended up winning it back, and now loses it again to Tony Storm. Something doesn't sit right. I'm going to be honest. Something doesn't sit right with me about this. And it might just have everything to do with the fact that I am a massive Hikaru Shida fan. But at the same time, I find it a little disrespectful. Again, it's my opinion. I'm not saying that anyone else should feel that way. It's just my opinion. Because, like, what's the point? If you can have her be a transitional champion, that's not establishing her as a star. It's establishing her as someone who's... Uh, oh, you know, a good hand. Which is the opposite of what you should be treating Hikaru Shida as. Hikaru Shida is a star. Like, I'm, I'm just, wh- what are we doing here? And I love the fact that Tony Storm is champion. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to hate on it. It's how we got here that pisses me off. Because if you really wanted to put a belt on Tony Storm, and I understand Julia Hart is as over as she is right now. Put the TBS belt on her. If if given this circumstance, unless you go back in time and Soraya is still champion here, then I'm fine with it. Because Soraya has had, you know, a month-long reign at that point. She hasn't lost it, gained it back, lost it again in a matter of just a few months. No. But, like, what are we doing? Seriously, what are we doing with this women's division? How are you going to keep building up people like Hikaru Shida to be great, to be world champion, and then just have them unceremoniously lose? It makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense to me. That being said, I'm sure that these segments are going to be entertaining. Man. Whatever. Guys, if you haven't already done so, do me a big time favor. Smash that like button, subscribe, hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Again, 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 I cannot stress enough how important it is for y'all to like that button. Even if you can't donate a super chat, liking that button, in my opinion, is just as good. Be, or hitting that like button is just as good because more people are able to see the stream the more people like it. Let's try to get the 10 likes Soon, guys, let's really try to get it up there. I know there's seven of you watching, seven likes, but I know a few of you just joined, so please hit that like button. Subscribe as well. Jermaine in the chat says, we need a top 10 wrestlers list. You will be getting a top 10 wrestlers of 2023 at the end of the year, which is coming up soon, and you will be getting a top 10 matches list. I, I literally have a running doc of top 10 matches. In my in in my note stock here on my phone, uh, which uh, as you can tell, uh, changes very quickly. Like there, there's gonna be like uh, thirty honorable mention matches in there, but yeah. So that match was fine, or sorry, that match was that match was great. Like the match was really good. They worked together well, but I was really mad at the the outcome. One match that we kind of also knew the outcome for, but was. Ah, insanely good was the four-way ladder match for the AEW World Tag Team Titles. Ricky Starks and Big Bill defending against Roosh and Drellistico, FTR, and Kings of the Black Throne in Malachi Black and Brody King. 20 minutes of uh, great ladder matching. That's the only way I can describe it. Great ladder matching. Um, interesting thing here was they, they did that spot right where they wedged the ladder. Roosh is just, okay. I don't know what Roosh is doing, man. Roosh like destroying people, which just just what he does. Uh, like I was, I was on the, I was on, um, Kenny bomb show earlier and I was literally like, man, if you have not seen Roosh wrestle, go watch his match with Brian Danielson and his match with jungle boy, Jack Perry. And you will understand why Roosh is absolutely great. Now, that being said, did they showcase Roosh in the best way possible here? No, but I don't think this was a Roosh showcase match. This was more of a ladder match for the sake of having a ladder match, which is fine. So, World Tag Team titles, you don't really have a feud behind it. Just do it. And that's what they did. So, Malachi Black and Brody King uh, actually did well. Brody King... I believe he drove Drolistico, was it? Was it Drollistico? I think it was Drollistico. He drove Drollistico, like, through that table. Like it, like, it was nobody's business. Or, sorry, not through the table. Through the ladder on the outside that was wedged between the ring and the apron. Or, the ring and the, the barricade. And he just drove him through it like it was nobody's business. Luckily enough, FTR were able to, to repurpose the ladder. We... Here's one thing I love about AEW. They recycle. They recycled the ladder. They used it for the next spot, which is cool. Um, uh, of course, Ricky Starks and Big Bill retain. No surprise there. But 20 minutes of fun ladder matching. It, like I'm not going to say that this was like, oh, my God, greatest ladder match of all time, but it was a fun match for sure. Something else that was really fun, this triple threat match for the AEW TBS title. Chris Statlander defending against Julia Hart and Sky Blue. All right, so listen. I love Chris Statlander. I wanted her to win. At the same time, I understand that Julia Hart is over. And you know what? I like the way this match ended. So, like, the story of this match, right, is that Julia Hart and Sky Blue are working together to try to overpower the much powerful Chris Statlander. Of course, Chris Statlander is much bigger and stronger than both Sky Blue and Julia Hart, so they would need to do that and, and take her out of the equation, or you would think. They did an interesting few spots here where Sky Blue and Julia Hart came face-to-face and you know, they just kind of, like, looked at each other, and, and Julia Hart seemed to try to, to almost hypnotize Sky Blue at a few points. In the end, they, Sky Blue and Julia Hart had this spot where they locked eyes. Sky Blue put out her hand. Julia Hart hugged her, or sorry, shook her hand, and then brought her in, boom, dropped her down, and then they started fighting, and then they were not on the same page for the rest of the match. Any sequence of the match saw uh, Chris Atlander hit her finish driving Sky Blues head right into the canvas. And as she goes to cover one, two, Julia Hart pushes her off, steals the win, and in the process becomes the brand new TBS champion. Julia Hart, a champion over as hell with one of the best gimmicks right now in AEW at the age of 22. Amazing. J- like and I know Chris Statlander ha- has had a great run. I don't think she's been able to showcase her skills a- as much as 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 I would like to I would have liked to have seen, but that's more of an AEW booking thing than anything else. But this was superb. This was superb. I love this. Uh, The right person won, if if I'm really thinking about it. Julie Hart was the right person to win this match. And I'm interested to see where they go here. Obviously, they're having a pay-per-view in Long Island in just about a month. Or just over a month, I should say. Chris Atlander is from Long Island. So, it makes sense for her to get the win back over there. But we'll see. All right. Before we talk about Texas death, because we only have two matches left to talk about here, Texas death and the tag team match, Young Bucks versus the Golden Jets. We'll talk, about, we'll talk about the Golden Jets, but before we do, though, be sure to hit that like button, subscribe, hit that notification bell, guys. Please, please, please hit that like button. I know I'm being annoying about it, but it really does help kind of build up what I'm doing here with real take wrestling. I really really would appreciate y'all if you keep if you did that. Hell, sign in from a different account and do it. I don't care. Please just do it. Um Golden Jets, Jericho and Kenny Omega versus The Young Bucks Matt and Nick Jackson. Of course, match here, match stipulation here is if the Young Bucks win, the Golden Jets will never be able to tag team again if the Golden Jets win, they get the Young Bucks' AEW World Tag Team title shots. And, of course, the the weird story here is, like, at the beginning of the match, Omega actually, like, you know, he fist bumps Matt and Nick Jackson before the match starts, both of them. And he's like, okay, cool, we're friends. Of course, there's been some tension there because the Young Bucks are not happy that – Kenny Omega is hanging out with Chris Jericho because again, if you go back to the original AEW uh, dynamite, who was the biggest, uh, Who was the biggest opponent of the elite. Who was the, who was the person who beat down the elite in that first ever dynamite. It was Chris Jericho. Of course they have not forgiven Jericho for that, and arguably, nor should they. But the animosity was there, and then, of course, the match started. And the Young Bucks were absolutely brutalizing Jericho in this one. Like, that's the only way I can say it. They were t- kicking his ass at every turn. And it quickly turned into one of those things where you could tell, like, the animosity between Kenny and the Young Bucks was kind of rising and rising throughout the ma- throughout the match. At one point... They, the Young Bucks hit Jericho with a low blow, and the referee has their back turned. And then Omega's like, what the hell is going on? And they hit him with a low blow, and they just look at the camera and go, had to do it. Had to do it, because this is the Young Bucks. Look, this is how the Young Bucks have always done it. So they do that, and then like about the last like 10 minutes of this match, the story becomes, can Kenny Omega hit the one-winged angel? Because the one thing that we do know is, if Omega hits a one-winged angel, it's over. It is over. No one no one is kicked out of that move outside of Kota Ibushi. Nobody. So, Omega doing his darndest to try to get this one-winged angel in. He Tries it on Matt Jackson. Gets reversed. Tries it on Nick Jackson. Says, hell no. Multiple times, back and forth. And then, he eats a one-winged angel for a two-count. We're all sitting here, going nuts. This match was awesome. And Kenny Omega, finally, finally, by God, finally, is able to hit a one-winged angel, pinning his best friends, the Young Bucks, one, two, three. And now, with his new tag team partner, Kenny, or Kenny Omega, is guaranteed an AEW World Tag Team title shot in the future. Taking that shot away, though, from his best friends, who were not happy after this match, Matt and Nick Jackson went absolutely berserk. Not only did they refuse to shake Kenny Omega's hand, not only did they curse him out, but they proceeded to throw a massive temper tantrum on the outside. Nick Jackson's throwing things, hitting Excalibur with things, and Excalibur, like, said the F word because he got hit in the face with something. Um... Uh, then, like, they're taking steel chairs, and they kind of repeat that Jericho Nitro spot where he threw his temper tantrum, and they're, like, hitting the, the steel chair on the turnbuckle on the outside. Just absolute mayhem. They are pissed. The, the, the Young Bucks lost it tonight. Not o- and in every tenth of the word. Not only did they lose their AEW tag team title shots, but they also lost, it looks like, back Kenny Omega because they refused to shake his hand disdain for Kenny Omega from the Young Bucks after this match. It's going to be interesting to see where they go from here. Young Bucks are obviously heel. Like, I know there are people who are like, oh, I don't know if they are yet They, They may not today. They are heels. And it it, it really shows. It really shows that they are heels. Yeah, Jermaine in the chat saying, um, no Mercedes, no Deeb, no hater, no Rosa, once they come back, this women's division will be elevated to the roof. You say this, and, and, and in theory, I agree with you. However, let's take a look at some of the names you talked about. Mercedes, well, although it's likely that she signs with AEW, it's, it's not done yet, and she's still injured. Deeb, has not been on AEW TV in a while. Jamie Ader, still injured. We don't know when she's coming back. Same thing with Thunder. Well, actually, you know, Thunder Rose, I believe, is cleared. I just don't know. Uh, They just don't have creative for her yet. But it's one of those things. They got to do it. Jermaine says, this was smart of Chris. Uh, This was smart as hell. Chris was a good run but started to lose her momentum, and Julia Hart is starting to become a pillar in the women's division. I hope she can. I hope she can be a pillar in that women's division because they need it. And and they need to be booked better. Like, like, at the end of the day, the problems in that women's division rely solely on booking. They are not booking that women's division for success. I love the fact that Julia Hart won here. This is a step in the right direction. But I feel like we say this every single time, right? We say that, oh, it's a step in the right direction. It's a step in the right direction. And really, it's like the common sense thing to do. Julia Hart winning here was a common sense thing to do, right? Like... It's not. It's not going out of your way to try to 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 elevate. Like to to really elevate, you need to give them time. You need to give them stories. Yeah, like yeah, that's what AEW needs. They need a story. They need to tell a story in that women's division. Because right now, you're not seeing much. You're seeing elements of a narrative. Or, or, or several narratives. I think. And I think there's the potential to break out in some of them, but I'm talking about like a captivating story. That's what they're missing. Much like MJF, Adam Cole, the the the, the friendship between them is a story in itself. They need you're never going to replicate that. And I'm not saying that it needs to be at the same level, but it needs to be big. And that's on creative. That's on Tony Khan. So hopefully, we get that. Hopefully you guys are enjoying this show, heading down the home stretch here. Be sure to hit that like button, subscribe, hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever new video is released. And if you want to make sure your question is read right out on the air, be sure to leave a super chat. All right. Moving on, final match we're going to talk about tonight, arguably the best match on the card. I think it was the best match on the card, and I think the best, most brutal hardcore match I've ever seen in my life. Swerve Strickland, Hangman Page, Texas Death. The brutality on display in this match would make someone's skin crawl, probably made people at home vomit, and made some of you sick, sick bastards giddy with joy. It represents everything both right and wrong about professional wrestling in somehow the best possible way. And all I can say is... God damn. Like, it seemed like just a few minutes into this match, Swerve's face was a crimson mask. Hangman Page, remember, the the precursor to all of this is... Swerve breaking into Hangman Page's house. And and accosting his his one-year-old child. To which Hangman Page obviously was not happy. So, what does Hangman do? In the lead-up to this match, he says... He not only brutalizes Swerve, attacks Swerve, attacks Nana, who was also part of this breaking into his house. But... He cuts a promo, I think one of his best promos, and he says, Swerve, after what I'm about to do to you at full gear, you're not going to be the same. I'm going to end you. And every November, I'm going to be walking hand in hand with my son so I can piss on your grave. Very rarely do pro wrestling matches that have this kind of build and, and, and have this personal vitriol that is portrayed in these stories. Very rarely is that ever like lived up to in, in a believable way. This match was, and then some, I can't explain to you what I saw <laughs> in, in, in every single possible way, but it was brutal. Ugly, it was violent, bloody. Hangman Page showed a side of him that many people I don't think realize that he has, which is just this monster. This man stapled a finger painting that his child did to Swerve's face. Then While Swerve was gushing blood out of his face, drank it as it dripped down. Literally, actively held Swerve's head above his and held his mouth open. And then did his Triple H spit take. I mean, I don't even know what more I can say. Insanity. Insanity. I think this tops the Texas Death Match that Hangman had with Moxley which was my I, I think like like was one of my favorite matches of the year. This was this was something insane. Again, I I just uh, I don't know what to say. Like like just if you have not seen this match, I highly suggest you go watch it cuz I'm not going to do justice in, in, in explaining what happened, but you know what? Jermaine actually puts it right. Boom, this right here. This match had everything but a loaded gun. The brutality was fitting of everything that AEW had built this up to be. This was, in effect, a perfect match. A perfect match. Swerve picked up the victory by literally, by trying to hang Hangman Adam Page. Texas death rules. It was basically last man standing. 10 count. Hangman Page could not get the 10 count. He lost. Swerve barely did win. And, and this was, they're, they're going to have another match. Oh my God, this was insane. We got uh, Wanda in the chat saying, so Tony buried Jay White while he pokes Kingston and Cassie Strong. No one is talking about it. He did not bury Jay White. Come on now. He did not bury Jay White. Jay White went out there and had a great match, and he lost because he was a cocky heel. It's the entire reason he lost. I would not say that he got buried. Anyway, you know what's getting buried? My sleep schedule. Um, guys, there's going to be so much to talk about. Wrestling with Omer tomorrow. I'll be here uh, to talk about it. Uh, also going to be putting up uh, a video, hopefully, at some point over the next few days, kind of like talking about something interesting out of this pay-per-view that, that I took away, probably this this Texas death match, which is absolutely insane. I'm also going to be putting up a new video about Will Ospreay in, uh, on youtube.com forward slash Vibes, new channel I'm starting, new project I'm starting over there. Jermaine in the chat rounds us out by asking me, who is the devil? The devil is whoever you want it to be. It's the beautiful thing. No, no, I'm not going to go that cheesy route. Um, look, the, de- the, the devil is actually one of those things where it's like, it, the beautiful thing about it right now is it could be anyone outside of MJF. I think it's very clear it's not MJF. But here's what I will say. Adam Cole was here tonight. Adam Cole was by MJF's side. And there was no sighting of the devil tonight. Nearly every other week, ever since we first saw the devil, the devil has appeared. And remember, that devil mask, where was it? The last time we, we really saw it before someone started wearing it and started attacking people all around MJF? Last place we saw it was in Adam Cole's locker at Wembley. I'm just saying. I think it's going to end up being Adam Cole. How they get there and and the explanation, you will see. And I will also be seeing all of you wonderful, fine, beautiful people in the near future, I would hope. Hope you guys love this stream. Hope you guys love this review. Be sure to tell your friends about it. YouTube.com forward slash Real Take Wrestling. you haven't already done so what in god's name are you waiting for smash that like button into a million pieces subscribe and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released i've been Q for real take wrestling what a full gear pay-per-view from a scale of one to ten certified 8.75 that's what i'm going with for this really awesome pay-per-view until next time everyone be happy Be healthy and keep it real.